This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 152. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. On bonus episode 152 we are looking at the brand new horror outing by um, Jordan Peele. A little movie called Us which if you didn't know became the highest grossing opening weekend for a original horror content movie. Now I know what you're saying, Duncan, that's ludicrous. Halloween did more money. Halloween did do more money, but Halloween was a remake. That's right, ladies and gents. Now, well, well you're also going to see it did more money, and it did do more money, but it was also a remake. So in terms of original content horror movie, as an original story, never been remade, etc, etc, it had the highest opening weekend of any R-rated horror movie on the planet. That as they say, is holy fucking shit material. Holy shit. So yeah, we're going to do a little review. We're going to do a non-spoiler and spoiler review. Now, this movie is out right now, so I do not want to spoil this for you. So I cannot stress enough, ladies and gents. Ladies and gents. I know some of you are irresponsible. I know some of you just don't give a fuck. But... What I'm saying to you is, if you have not seen us yet, and you don't want anything spoiled, then I wouldn't even go any further than this point here. Don't even get to the reviews and shit, just just switch it off just now, and then come back and listen to it once you've seen the movie. Because we will, we will spoil the movie, there's no way around that. Even my non-spoiler is going to talk about shit. And if you want to go into this blind, and in fairness, I won't talk about anything that wasn't shown in the trailer, but maybe you didn't watch the trailer. So, yeah, you are forewarned, ladies and gents. This is our second episode of the week. That's right, episode number two of this week. Of a week which promises... What did I say yesterday? Six? Five? I think it's six. Um, Tomorrow's my day off. I'm looking forward to having a little day off tomorrow. Um, But then we return on Thursday with listener uh, reviews for Movie Club. We're going to do Late Mungo. Uh, tomorrow is your last day to get your entry in, so please make sure you get them in. I'll be posting on the Facebook group page, etc., to prompt you to get them in, but we're doing that Thursday. On Friday, we're doing a very special March-themed episode. Last month, we did uh, Fabio Frizzy February, and the month before that, we did John Carpenter January. This month, a little bit something funkier, ladies and gents. We're going to look at madness. We all know the term March Madness. It's all to do with sports ball and shit like that that I don't understand. Drafting and shit and like competition and shit. Uh, but I like the concept of madness. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a little bit of fun and we're going to dedicate an episode. Um, kind of cutting down some of my favourite... Uh, performances on screen of madness 
Um, so yeah, we're going to cover that. No specific movie reviews, but we are going to talk about some characters and hopefully um, gauge it in the direction of some movies you may not have seen before, some movies that you haven't seen in a while, and some movies that you love. So we'll be talking about the most iconic, my opinion, the most iconic portrayals of madness on screen in horror movies for our very special March Madness episode. Then, the day after that, we are capping off on the 30th of March, a day before the end of the month. We're going to be looking back over the month that was March 2019. And then on Sunday, 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 ladies and gents, it's time to continue our trawl of the Slasher Classics collection put out by 88 Films. So that's your lineup for this week. A pretty hefty, saucy, sultry little number. Um, and hopefully you enjoy all the stuff we're putting out. We're doing a ton of stuff um, on Podcasts Under the Stairs, burning the candle at many ends, um, and trying to scatter shot like a cluster bomb. Uh, as much weird and bizarre and wonderful and cool content. And um, April is going to be a month to remember. I can only stress on that one. So many reviews coming. So much cool content. Uh, so much quirky shit. You're going to love it. I am hopeful that you're going to love it. I'm going to take a break just now, though. Uh, you're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear a little bit of music. And when we return, it's time to discuss us. It's not me, it's you. It's not me, it's you. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maddie. Do you like horror movies? I sure do. Well, did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real-life horror? Really? Like what? Well, take The Shining, for instance. That's based on Stephen King's real-life addictions, or The Purge, which could be our country any minute now. Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, Guys. Oh, oh, hey, Producer, producer Michael. Michael oh, well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey, and as always, get slayed.
It's a dope song. Don't do drugs. Get in rhythm. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Can't believe how big Dave got. You hear Gabe got a boat? He's kidding, right? He's not kidding. Hey, I think it's vodka clock. Oh, yeah. 
Where's Jason? Jason? Jason! Where were you? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me, and I'll keep you safe. <laughs> There's a family in our driveway. It's probably the neighbors. But you have a family? Hi, can I help you? Zora, put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Exactly like us. They think like us. They know where we are. We need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us. And we kill them. Welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for Us from 2019, written and directed by Jordan Peele. The movie stars, uh, why the names, Lupita Nongo, I think that's how you pronounce that, it's probably not, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moth, um, Tim Heidecker, Shahadi Wright-Joseph, Evan Alex, Yaya Abdul-Mantin II, Anna Diop, uh, Callie Sheldon, some other folks are in here. Uh, synopsis for this one is a family's serenity turns to chaos when a group of doppelgangers begins to terrorise them. So, uh, we're going to do non-spoiler and spoiler reviews. We're going to kick off at the start by talking a little bit about Jordan Peele. Big fan of Jordan Peele. I first got introduced to Keen Peele through doing the Midnight Horror Show years ago now. Um, and loved the kind of weird. I love the comedy, but I love when they go weird and dark. That's the bit that makes me happy. When they really start playing with horror tropes and just weird surrealism, that's when I get giddy. Um, being a fan of things like um, The Mighty Bush or. You know, League of Gentlemen, Psychoville, Inside Number Nine. You know, those sort of things. Um, I, I, I get that humour. I like that humour. It makes me smile. And Jordan Peele definitely definitely exists in that world of writing that sort of humour. So I, I do dig that quite a bit. He obviously went on to do Get Out, a movie which um, I thought was phenomenal. Um, I thought it was a really well... It's like a breath of fresh air, but it was a really incredibly well-made movie which definitely had more than more than its fair share of Twilight Zone ripping out of it, which, you know, gave me delight when we found out that he was going to technically be involved as a kind of showrunner for the new Twilight Zone TV 
show which is coming out in a couple of days time now it starts but so the, to me it was like you know that makes perfect sense and then obviously quite a bit of attention thrust up to see what he would return with it's been two years and now he's back with us um, or US talking about the Americas because there's a little bit of social commentary in this movie full show now I also will say that I've only seen the movie once and I do think I put it in my letterbox review that there's quite a lot here to unpack in the background that I imagine upon repeat viewings very similar to Get Out I'll be noticing more stuff he's done in the background and kind of digging on it um, you know more than than um, I am just now that's not to say that I didn't enjoy it I really did enjoy it I don't think it's better than Get Out, uh, controversial as that might sound, and it might be controversial to horror fans out there. Um, I think Get Out is a tighter movie, I think that's what gives it its benefit. I think um, this movie obviously works on a much grander scale, and when you do that, you open yourself to, well, what does this mean then? Huh? Uh, which is kind of where I felt with some of the movie towards the end. It's like, it sets up a lot of questions that it doesn't, well, either doesn't want to answer or doesn't feel the need to answer, but as the audience, I kind of feel we need something. Um, also, the movie's central twist mystery, I think is really telegraphed. I, I don't know, once again, kind of felt that with The Prodigy as well, that I, I knew where the movie was going um, in terms of its reveal well before it got there. Now, I don't know if I'm the only one, and once again, I don't know if that's the point. I don't know if Jordan Peele's like, well, that's not the point of the mystery. The point of the mystery is everything else you're seeing, and that's the bit that I want you to focus on, like a magician doing a trick. I want you to focus on this hand while I do something else. So, it's worth saying that as well. Obviously, in the spoiler area, we can get into a bit more. What I will say about us is that I think Jordan Peele is a tremendous builder of characters um, in a way that I haven't seen a lot of modern filmmakers do. Um, this movie's just shy of two hours and we spend a, a great deal of that uh, kind of hunkered down with this family and the dynamics that fall with them. Um, and I get as a result of that, a really full realisation of who these people are, what their interests are, from not spending huge amounts of time, I just know who they are, and there's a comfort to that. Also means that when their lives are put in jeopardy in the movie, I care, which is a big deal. It's why I keep banging on about likeable characters. I don't care if you kill off an unlikable character, because I don't like them anyway. But if you make me like anchor to a character, if you make me feel something for that character in a positive light, then if something bad happens to them, I feel sad. And that's just good writing. And I think it's an art which seems to be getting lost uh, more and more as the years go along in Hollywood. And it's great to see that Jordan Peele, who obviously his claim to fame came off the back of Keen Peele, which is all these skits he did where they have to form characters, has clearly learned how to adapt that long form, which is great. So I love that about the movie. I think it's shot phenomenally. I love the locale. I love the, the use of lighting, which plays a big part in this movie. Um, I love the contrast of colours. I think that all works really, really well. I love the, the abstract social commentary, which is running through it. I love the double meaning of the title, Us and US. Um, there is a line in this movie, which is, you know, who or what are you? And the reply is Americans. Uh, and I really like that idea. He's kind of, he's playing with it. Maybe not as overtly as he did with Get Out. I think there's a bit more subtext going on here. But I think that works really well 
within the movie. Um, I think the soundtrack works really well as well. It's playful, it's dark, it's haunting, um, and the sense of humour in this movie is kind of great. Um, there's a couple of scenes that, that genuinely made me laugh out loud, which you need that once again. You're going to have these intense scenes of peril and dread and violence. You need to offset that with that kind of cathartic experience of being able to laugh at something. Drops your guard a little bit so when the next punch comes in you're kind of taken back by it. So really enjoyed that aspect as well. Once again there's no doubt here that Peel is a big fan of not only horror which is evident but he's a big fan of the Twilight Zone because this story falls into a kind of long form Twilight Zone episode again. Um, and I, I love that. I think more people should be doing that. I think that the, the basis and the importance and the influence of the Twilight Zone was really like kids that grew up watching that were the filmmakers that started making movies in the 80s. And I think you see that when you get to the 80s. Things get cray pretty quick and we get these wonderful expansive ideas and really taut um, tight 120 minute um, not 120 minutes that's a lot 90 minute movies that come out that just like get and get done and it's ludicrous and absurd but you don't really think about it too much because you know these filmmakers grew up watching Twilight Zone you know condensed 20 minute short stories that would give you a tale of morality or politics or horror and it's all done really well here so you can see that influence is followed um, peel onwards into the, the storytelling. The storytelling plays a lot with uh, the idea of duplicity. I mean, that's, I mean, if you've seen the posters, if you've seen the trailers, I'm not breaking, you know, any walls down by saying that. Even the description and the synopsis is doppelgangers. But the movie is kind of peppered throughout with these ideas, um, specific references to duplicity. Uh, even down to the um, Jeremiah 1111, uh, which is, you know, that's 1111. So, you know, I, I don't know, don't know what else to tell you. Um, also, the, the idea of uh, palindromes, there's some palindrome usage in the movie as well, which is the same frontwards as backwards. Um, See, what I did was though, I like that. I kind of you know, one of those things where you read something, you're like, 11 11, that must mean something. Um, so I did a bit of reading, uh, it's a biblical passage, obviously, and it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I bring evil upon them which shall not be able to escape, and though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken to them. Um, uh, the passage specifically kind of making reference to people coming to something coming to get you and uh, you know the the powers that be not being able to save you um which is maybe you know it's a, a clever pick out for them to find a biblical chapter that had something like that plus the fact that it has palindromic symbolism as well which i think is also kind of awesome uh, so yeah there's a bit of that in there as well I loved how we jump between, uh, there's two settings in the movie, once again not spoiling it, you'll get that straight away when you start watching it, like in the first two settings of watching the movie, uh, you're split between 1986 and modern day as well, so um, two different storylines and I'll, I'll, as we go through the present day one we find out a little bit more information, a little bit more information about what happened in 1986. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's... Um, 
there's a, there is a lot to unpack in a, in a weird way that's what I'm saying I think on a second view and I think I'm going to get more out of it I don't necessarily think it'll improve my score for overall which I'm going to come to right now like I say Get Out to me was a five star movie I absolutely loved it I thought it was I thought it was great um, and the longer time has went on the more I love it um, this movie I don't think is is as good as Get Out, but I think it's still a really good movie anyway, so it feels just and right to give this one a 4.5 out of 5. Um, I was speaking to a good buddy, Bo Ranstall, where I basically said, um, it's weird, Get Out to me was a you know contender for best of the year in the year that came out. I think Us is definitely in top 10 contention, I just don't think it's top tier contention. Um, and time will tell. Like I say, I might get the movie, watch it later on in the year and pick up about a million things I didn't before and grow to love it even more. Um, but 4.5 out of 5 ain't nothing to fuck with, ladies and gents. That is a proper, legit grade. So there we go. That is your non-spoiler review. Now, if you did not heed my warning and you listened into there, some details were given away, not too much, and I certainly have not spoiled the film, but I will say I'm about to spoil the film. So if you've not seen it, this is your last chance to bail it out. Please don't let me spoil this movie for you. I really, really, really don't want to. But um, yeah, we are going to go into spoiler territory in 3, 2, 1. So the movie starts in 1986. We see um, an ad on the TV for Hands Across America, which apparently was a real thing. Once again, did a bit of research when I came out. Hands Across America was... Uh, a kind of bit of activism led by celebrities um, and they were going to raise 100 million dollars uh, for Africa um, and the plan was to go from coast to coast in America uh, everyone would chip in 10 dollars and you would stand all holding hands right across the length and breadth of America um, according to the internet it didn't really work uh, it raised 15 million which apparently was about the cost of running it so it didn't raise really any money and you did not go coast to coast to America the reason behind that is America is a strange country with deserts and mountains and very treacherous land that to go from hands to hands across America seemed almost impossible um, so it never actually happened um, so it's shown off with that we have um, this kid who is uh, being taken to a Santa Cruz amusement park the kid is uh, Adelaide Wilson, who is also known as Red in the movie. That's her doppelganger. Um, Adelaide is a young girl. She's about 14 years old or something. And she gets taken away. Her parents are... Uh, her dad is a bit... Uh, he loves himself some drinks, loves himself some smokes, loves a good time. Mum's a bit more hands-on. Mum has to go and do something. Dad gets distracted with a whack-a-mole. Yep, that's right, whack-a-mole. Uh, kid goes into well goes down at the beach a storm is a coming uh, and goes into a maze and in this maze of this hall of mirrors she encounters um, a, a, a duplicate version of herself which the movie hypothesizes traumatizes her to the point that she doesn't speak her parents marriage we assume breaks down she learns how to dance she becomes very good at it uh, but obviously gets married we jump into modern times uh, it's Adele, her husband Gabe, um, and their kids, uh, is it Zora and Jason, uh, as they are heading 
for a small VK VK time uh, up to their um, their cab cabin in the woods. Uh, so they're heading away up there. They arrive. Uh, Gabe has a friend, Josh, and his wife. Kitty, Kitty played by Elizabeth Moss, who is fucking great in this movie. Love her so much. Always great to see her. Um, and they're going to meet them at the beach. Obviously, Adelaide has the, this very strong memory of bad things happening in there. Doesn't want to go. Husband drags her down there. Husband has purchased a boat, by the way, which is pretty crappy. That'll come into play later on. They go down to the beach. They're all kind of hanging out. Um, the white family is a bit more affluent and Right, on you know, have more issues. Their kids aren't really nice. They seem to be coping with using alcohol, um, and they kind of put down uh, the Wilson family. Not hugely, but they're they're not nice to them. Um, Jason goes missing, and obviously Adelaide goes mental, finds him, takes him home, and she's freaking out. She's like, "Listen, I've got this weird feeling that." just this really weird feeling that shit's going to go down bad things are going to happen and that let me tell you this time that I was a kid and I went to this Hall of Mirrors and I, I encountered myself and it wasn't my reflection and I get this feeling that it's just getting closer and closer and closer to me and that's when the lights go out and they are confronted with a doppelganger family version of them led by Red who is Adelaide's doppelganger with Abraham who is Gabe's doppelganger we have Umbre which is Zora's doppelganger and Pluto which is Jason's doppelganger um, what's kind of weird about this one is they are all twisted versions of the, the real self um, and we get a bit of home invasion which is kind of cool uh, we find out after they've home invaded that um, these people are known as the tethered and the tethered exist um, basically duplicating everything you do but getting the gnarlier, darker version of it. So if you were sitting down to a lovely steak, they'd be sitting down to a plate of shit. Uh, if you got fluffy beds to lie on, they would lie on a bed of nails. Uh, but what you do has a direct impact on them. Kind of like a class-based system, ladies and gents. Kind of like, almost like Jordan Peele's wink wink, nudge nudging, a little bit of social commentary right into said movie. I like it. I like it. I like what you do, Jordan Peele. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'm looking at it and I'm saying, wait a second, this isn't mine. So I'm putting it back down. It's yours, Jordan Peele, not mine. Um, don't know why I did that. But yeah, so there's you know a bit of that in there as well. Plus the versions of them all are just darker. Abraham is this thuggish British version of Gabe, where Gabe is actually the mild-mannered kind of quiet spoken, kind of almost has the same voice as uh, Richard Pryor's um, white man voice, it's kind of amazing, uh, where Zora um, is a track and field runner uh, who seems quite distant, Umbre is borderline psychopathic and all up in your business, uh, where Jason is this kind of playful character that wears a mask, Pluto is has to wear a mask because he's burned himself horribly he's obsessed with fire and then Red has this weird unhinged croaky voice which is kind of wonderful because all these actors are playing double duty in this movie and it works so well so so well because they're so starkly different than their original characters so yeah so they they start attacking them things go I'm not going to go step by step throughout the movie they obviously escape 
uh, picking off a couple of them while they're at it. And then they make their way to the Tyler family, that's Elizabeth Moss, uh, House Kitty and Josh. Uh, when they arrive there, they arrive just a little bit too late. Their doppelgangers have arrived and murdered them. And the Wilsons have to take care of some business, if you know what I mean. Um, which leads them to kill them off, but then they're confronted with the remaining Wilson doppelgangers. Um, and they, they kill off some of them. And uh, how the movie kind of culminates is that Red steals um, Jason away and Adelaide goes to confront and they have this big fight and we find that the Red's kind of badass and um, obviously Adelaide killed Red at the end because we have to have a happy ending but by this point the the world is now being occupied by these these you know doppelgangers who are kind of controlling things and all of that they're doing the hands across the world thing which actually looks like it's working it looks like they're committed um, almost as if the world is built on the back of these people which is kind of interesting because there's a whole setup here which at the very beginning of the movie there's a, a like a turn of phrase which talks about underground tunnels um, talks about most of them not being used uh, I love the idea of most of them not being used the insinuation being that some are uh, and these ideas of these white rabbits which are there to rabbits being kind of metaphor for scientific experimentation but also cloning as well so there is a, a maybe an insinuation that there's some sort of government program for cloning but it never really goes into it um, also at the same time you've got this idea of the kind of Morlock civilization under underground um, kind of toiling away and doing all the work while the is it Ulocks, I can't never remember uh, are on top and they're, they're living the good life if you know what I mean so that's all kind of it's all kind of stretched out here as well, but ultimately Red dies. Um, Adley gets her kid back, and we have a scene of them driving away, um, and then Adley gets this kind of twinkle in her eye, and then this vague memory, a memory that if you were me, you guessed like about what 15 minutes into the movie. Um, and this is what I'm saying, I don't know if this is supposed to be a surprise to the audience. If it is, then I don't think your movie should pin, you know, kind of hinge on it. And I don't know if this one necessarily does. But I guessed very, very early on in this movie that Red and Adelaide had swapped places as kids. And I was spot on, I was right. Um, and so obviously the doppelganger, the one Red who raises the resistance from, from the underground and brings all these people out, is actually one that shouldn't have been there to begin with and that's why she was not a following sort of person she was she was the kind of leader because she had the free thought of up above and the up, up upstairs level um like i say I, I mean it's maybe there is a twist i don't i don't know if it works as a twist because like i say i got it i understand the metaphor behind it and i thought i didn't detract from it when the movie pans out with all these um, doppelgangers joined hand to hands over the mountains and plains of America as the police try to stop it? Question mark. Uh, and that's where the movie finishes. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I like to say up. I, I felt this movie did not feel like it was almost two hours long. It flew in at a, at a clap. I think the casting's great. Uh, Winston Duke who plays Gabe is the, the comic relief of this movie but even the kid actors are brilliant they're the doppelganger versions of everyone I love the duality of the characters 
that works really, really well. Like I say, I think on the grand scale, I would like to know a little bit about what happens once you cut the head of the snake off. Once once Red is dead, what happens with the the resistance? You know, um, the full symbolism of this hands across America. You know, is there, but it's not fully realised for me. And it kind of ends on this kind of. Um, reminded me then a little bit of the invitation, the Karen Kusuma movie, um, where you at the end of the movie the camera pans out and you realise this is a much bigger event than you thought you were seeing. So I kind of, I kind of liked that, but at the same time I think they could have went into a bit more detail. I don't think it's just as tight as Get Out, which is like I said before, a really tight, really well told, concise movie where I don't know if us on the grander scale necessarily has that impact. That being said, I really, really enjoyed it. I think on more watches I'm going to see a lot more symbolism in there. I'm going to take more away from it. And I think my 4.5 out of 5 rating is testament to how good it is. So there we go. That was us, a contender for the top 10 for sure. Unlikely to be my top movie though. Um, One Cut of the Dead is still my favourite horror movie that I've seen this year. Um... So it's, it's not quite there, it's not quite at that level, but we got plenty of time peeps. We are less than two weeks away from Pet Cemetery hitting the cinema and um, with the tremendous impact that Oz has had at the cinema, I can't see Pet Cemetery not riding them coattails and making a shed load of money as well. It's an exciting time to be a horror fan and 2019 has a lot more in store for us. I'm going to take my final break of the show. When I come back, I'm closing it out. I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been bonus episode 152, looking at the brand new horror movie, Us. That's right, a little review for you to get you through your Tuesday, a cheeky, cheeky Tuesday review at that. There is a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the feed and leave us a rating and a review. It's the best way to support us on that platform. You can also check us out on Stitcher Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn and Spotify. Come and visit our website. It's tputzcast.com and if you want to buy some merch like a poster and an enamel pin that money coming back to support what we do under the stairs you can do that by going to our merch page it's tputzcast.bigcartel.com if you're on Facebook why not join one of our two Facebook pages or both if you want to join the group page chat with other listeners and interact for all different levels of tomfoolery that is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast if all you're interested in is when the shows drop the live streaming or the occasional Thursday Thursday then you want to go to the Facebook page that's facebook.com forward slash tputzcast you can interact with myself and the Baz and the twin prongs of social media sexiness Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at tputzcast the podcast under the stairs will return on Thursday with Movie Club Challenge Teapots March 2019 listener reviews looking at late Mungo you have until tomorrow to get them in Please do not delay any longer. Get them in. But without you guys, there ain't no show. And if that's so, then... Oh no, I don't know where I was going with that. So yeah, get them in. And all that's left for me to say is, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big, bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off.
Yeah, be so